You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths, Joe Hopkins here on the board as well. And we'll uh, get one piece of news before we dive headfirst into the Colts' upcoming game with the Titans this week, and that is the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2020 has been whittled down to 25 modern-day semifinalists. Five of those 25 will be selected into the Hall of Fame next year. Uh, Edron James, once again, is a semifinalist, his sixth time making this cut to 25. And Reggie Wayne, also in his first year of eligibility in the Hall of Fame, is in this group of 25, trying to be one of the five players, eventually, who are voted into the Hall of Fame. And there's no one better to talk Hall of Fame than Mike Chappell, who is a Hall of Fame voter, has been for quite some time, and has made the case for Edger and James time after time, hasn't quite been able to make it through yet, but... Mike, there have been kind of there has been kind of a backlog of running backs somewhat in the past that has made it more difficult for players or for him to make it in. Now, Edron seems to be the top running back or one of the top two undeniably running backs uh, on the list now. So things might be starting to sway in his favor. It appears to me, at least, he's really the only one in the pipeline because no one. I don't think Fred Taylor is going to make final because right now again. It, we're, we're 25, then we're going to make the cut to 15 on January 20th. And from those 15, we get together in Miami. What's the day before the Super Bowl? February 1st, I believe it is. And from there, we take uh, the five, a maximum of five players. And what, what, right, I should say maximum of five. Maximum yes, of five yes, players. Yes. It's, it's not a, necessarily five. And it's, but, almost, always, it's right. almost always five. I couldn't tell you the last time four got in. The, the problem has been with Edgerin is – nationally he's looked on as a very good running back who had Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison and yada 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 and again we've talked if you talk to Peyton they had they had Edron so much started with him but but again his, his numbers it's, it's it's just crazy I get up there every year and I'm thinking what don't you people see uh in in this a lot of times it has to do with the rest of the 15 who are you who were you in contention with? Last year it was difficult because they got three, was it three corners got in, I believe? When Ty Law, Champ Bailey, and well, then Ed Reed, three DBs got in. And I knew when Champ Bailey got in that Edron was going to be difficult. But again, last year he made final 10. When you get in the room, you're 15, you have your discussion, then you cut it to 10, and then you cut it to five. And last year was the first year Edron made the final 10, which is significant. Yeah. I saw a sign or a, a note that uh, the Hall of Fame put out that of the 15 finalists eventually 89% get in. Well, that's great, but when you're get, when you're the, the guy that's been told to wait and wait and wait and I know Edron, he calls it a dog and pony show hmm. as only Edron could. But this year the only real first ballot guy is probably Troy Palomalo. Yes. After that it's just it, it it's it's always a good group because you're talking elite players, but there there's no people that jump off. And from being in the room, I'm telling you right now, there will be an offensive lineman in this class. There will be. It's gonna it's gonna be Alan Fanica, Steve Hutchinson's in there too. Hutchinson. So somebody will get in because as much as I, I don't want to give out too much of, of what goes on, but 
the, the selectors are very aware of backlogs at a position. That's what kept Marvin Harrison from getting in until his third time because you had to wait for Andre Reed, you had to wait for Tim Brown. And now we're getting to where there's really some very, very good offensive linemen. But you've got one running back uh, who who needs to get in. And, and, you know, Reggie, first time of eligibility, I hope he makes Final 15 because that's, that's the benchmark is, is getting in the room. Uh, uh, but then th- does he have to wait for Isaac Bruce? Does he have to wait for Torrey Holt? Soon you're going to have Calvin Johnson. Then you're going to have Larry Fitzgerald, and then it gets difficult. But I'm telling you, they, they both have Hall of Fame numbers. And Edron, what I always base my argument on is he, when you talk about four or five categories of four 1,500-yard seasons and leading the league in rushing your first two years and this, that, and the other, you always mention him with Walter Payton and Emmitt Smith and Jim Brown and Eric Dickerson and people like that. It's a very, very short list, Barry Sanders. And for some reason, his name doesn't resonate like, like it should. I think he's 13th all-time rushing. And of the, of the top 16 all-time rushers, only three are not in. It's Edron James, Frank Gore, and Adrian Peterson. Frank Gore, who just vaulted into third all-time right. this past week. And in Peterson is sixth, and they're both active. Right. So, you know, and, and, and we can argue, which we did in the media room, I don't, we, I don't want to take too much time on this since we've got a game coming up, but they were saying, well, Frank Gore's a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer. And I said, really? I mean, yeah, he's third all-time, but, and I, I, I've exchanged emails with Tony Dungy, and, and he and I are both sort of on the same page as he's a Hall of Famer. But, but to me, first ballot means really, really special. And I don't mean to diminish anything Frank Gore's done, but he, he, he wore your rear end down with consistency. He was never, I don't think ever in his, he never won a league rushing title. Mm-mm. He was never probably top five, maybe top five once or twice in his career. He has very few Pro Bowls, too. Right. I don't think it, he has that many. It, it's just that 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards, 1,200 yeah. yards. Well, Edron had four 1,500-yard four seasons, two pre-knee injury, two post. And we they finally got Terrell Davis in, which I wasn't a great fan of him because he had such a short career. And they pointed out, well, you know, he had that knee injury, and that's well, true, Same absolutely with true. Too, well, yeah. Edron had as many yards virtually after he tore his ACL as Terrell Davis did in his career. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, but you know, we'll see. It, but it's it's really cool that that you got two guys in there. I'm hoping if they're both final fifteen, that they don't take votes from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't think. Reggie gets in this year if he's final 15 just because it takes your normal – unless you're just an off-the-charts guy, Ed Reed or Apollo Model, you don't normally uh, – Edger needs to get in. And as I always say, this we're in Miami this year with the Super Bowl. And I'm going to tell you that a Edger and James in the, pro, in the Hall of Fame in Miami, the South Beach party would be epic – so, but uh, he, beyond all that, he deserves to be in. Hopefully this is his year, and then in a year or two, get Reggie in. A little trivia while we're talking about all-time rushing stats. Uh, top 25 all-time rushing. You named two active players, Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. Can you name the third? Active? Top 25. Active. Wow. Um, uh, 
What conference is he in? AFC. Top 25 all time. Derrick Henry. That would be really fitting this week, but yeah, a little early for Derrick Henry. I'm lost. No, don't. Is it Le'Veon Bell? I didn't think so. Really? Former Eagle. McCoy? Sean McCoy. Yep. He's got 11,000. I like that. 22nd all time. Shady. My boy. But and again, the thing with Edgerin is 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 the way the league is going now with the passing game. His numbers are going to stand. Really, I don't see him falling any further further thirteenth because first of all, you don't you don't have that running back now, right? Who's done it and who's who's got that great Le'Veon Bell, perhaps, but they're not going to play thirteen, fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Taking a year off certainly didn't help him. No. Right. Yeah. So, but it's it's interesting, and again, the, the next cut to fifteen, the big cut to fifteen is is January twentieth, and then from there we go to South Florida for the uh, big de- debate on February first. It's it's going to be interesting. Maybe a touch more on Reggie Wayne before we move on, because we've talked a lot about Edge, of course. Um, but but Reggie, what he has going for him, at least in my mind, is, is what he did in the postseason. Exactly. He, he he was a tremendous postseason receiver. Those are the games that that you get remembered by and people remember what Reggie was able he's, to he's do. He's fifth all-time or third all-time receptions with 93 behind I believe Jerry or everything's behind Jerry Rice. Exactly. It, it, I think that, that Jer- even... I think it's Jerry Rice and then Edelman I believe. I think you're right and then I think he just he's recently fifth, passed him. He's fifth in yards. Mm-hmm. And he's got one of the top 5 single games was it 220 something against Denver in the playoffs. So you you're right what what you look for is is regular season Productivity, brilliance, postseason, which which is what got Terrell Davis in, mm-hmm. and then the Super Bowls, and and, and Reggie. It's, it's funny people forget that Reggie, of all the players, the player who's played the most regular season games in Colts history is Reggie Wayne, mm-hmm. and the most postseason games in team history is Reggie Wayne. So he not only played, he played at a high level. He produced. What's the only thing that, that, that's really uh, the knock, if you want to call it that, on Reggie's resume is touchdowns. It's down the list quite a bit on touchdowns. But as far as how, how to approach the game, and I tell you, it's not going to hurt Reggie at all that he had time on NFL Network or whatever it was. So you're out there. I'm, I'm telling right. you, the fact that Terrell Davis was on TV so much, it simply matters when you're always in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And, and pe- people see you, and, and your your face and your name are, are recognizable. So we'll see again, and that's one thing that sort of hurts Edgerin right? because mm-hmm. he just goes about his own business. I, I don't want to call him a recluse, but in terms of the no, NFL, he's not a recluse. I mean, but, yeah. but as far as nationally, because right. of course with, with Edgerin, his, his days normally start about midnight. Yes, and then and then it gets <laughs> cranking days, up. Yes, but uh, no, it's it's. I just wish people, and again, I, I'm so biased on him because I, I was here for his career. And I was able to experience him and his his impact in in doing what he did in an offense that had so many stars, so many stars. And he was such he he, he remains my favorite Colt. And it's kind of funny because being in the newspaper business as I was, when he dropped f bombs in quotes and postcan quotes, we just you know we can write around it. Right. You guys couldn't do that. No, you, that's not possible. But and, 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 and he didn't do it out of malice. He just that's just him, right? And, and but uh, hopefully this year again. I went down into Atlanta last year and had some nice chat with a man, a 
Chris Whitlock went down there and spent time with him, and he's a genuine person, and he, he simply deserves to get in, and hopefully I've got enough ammunition this year to get him in. One quick note, and something you mentioned earlier also, is that Peyton Manning cast a wide shadow, and some people have that national expect or not expectation, the uh, idea that it was Peyton Manning, and uh, right. and he it was his greatness that elevated everyone else. So, Which, to, which to, to, to a point. To, to a, to a absolutely. big point he did. But, I mean, Joe Montana lifted Jerry Rice, but Jerry Rice right. was Jerry Rice. Well, you Jim, know? Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and, and, Andre and all Reed, these people. Exactly. And Andre Reid, so, so, you know. It, it, it goes hand in hand. And Very speaking of so. Peyton, he's on the ballot next year. So in, in, for the class of 2021, it'll be Peyton Manning. So we will probably be, uh, the Colts will probably be playing in the uh, Hall of Fame game oh. next year, it sounds like. No question. And remember, remember what happened last time the Colts were in the Hall of Fame game. When, when they didn't play in the game? The Hall of Fame game did not happen. Exactly. What a bra- what a black eye that was for the NFL. That's and unfortunate. The Hall a of little Fame. perspective on Reggie. 10th in both receptions and receiving yards all time. 24th in receiving touchdowns at 82. Again, that's the only, and that's what really separated Marvin from everybody else. I mean, yes, he had the catches in in the yards, but he had 128 touchdowns, I think it was. Yep. So all time. It's and they they keep score, so touchdowns mean something. So now we turn our attention to the game at hand for the Colts taking on the Titans this week. Already beat Tennessee once this year. That one was in Tennessee, so you got the road conference, road division win. Rather, that's awesome for the team. And now you get them at home. You'd think that maybe your chances are better at home, but I'll tell you this: the Titans are certainly a much different team than they were back at the beginning of the year. And we'll get into that in a second. But first, got to focus on the Colts and how they are a slightly different team now than we saw earlier this year week two and mainly it's because of injuries the biggest one this week mike is that eric ebron will miss the rest of the season uh electing for surgery on an ankle um frank reich was tiptoeing around things on on monday it sounded like in his conference call saying that it was the best the best decision we could make or the best decision to to make i get uh, i get the impression it was the best decision that for Eric Ebron, I think that's what they were saying, because mm-hmm. he made it very clear that this is something they did not see coming. It what he used the term, uh, it flared up on Ebron. Flared up on on whatever Monday b- before the Houston before game. The, yes, before the short week. And he was Ebron had been on on the injury report one time with an ankle, week nine I think it was. I'm not sure if that, if that was before Houston or what it was. But he just he hadn't been on it, and there was one week he was he was ill and he missed a couple of games. But generally, when a guy is dealing with issues, you you it shows up on injury report, or you're given a day off to, to, to rest to rest or, or to not put you know more more on it. We see that with Costanzo, Limited Gathers, days in Justin Houston. I can think of ten guys that take a day off, and it's it's. It's it's listed as not injury related, but but it's sort of a, it's maintenance. I don't think there's any question that the team was. Uh, I'll use the word surprised. I don't know if we can go beyond that without assuming things. But mm-hmm. I the only thing I wonder, and I can wonder it is, is if they were nine and two and Ebron had fifty catches with eight touchdowns, would he made this decision? I don't know. Here here's the direct quote. I I had it written down and I didn't even look at it, but what frank said at the end of the day this is what was thought to be the best decision so he doesn't say doesn't even say we which i said earlier this is what we thought to be no this is what was thought to be the best decision so he didn't want to say we he didn't want to say he either because he doesn't want to come out and kind of 
unload the dump truck on Eric Ebron, I don't think. But that's that's what the uh, the implication is going to be. And I, I I really want to be careful with implications as as a reporter with um, injuries. It's, exactly, it's, it's you're you're walking a real thin ice. When you when you go through that locker room, either during the week or after a game, when you see ice and slings mm-hmm. and, and yep. boots and all that, it's it's just that this sort of doesn't pass the smell test of, of how things generally add up. And what can't be dismissed is he's a free agent at the end of the season, and he wants to be healthy for his next contract. It's just it's just a fact and. And people can dump on Ebron all they want for that, but teams do that all the time. All the time. Teams make business decisions all the time, and they don't think twice about how that impacts the player. Mm-hmm. Having said that, this team wants the locker room built in a certain way. And it's as bad as it sounds, they want people who, who are sort of going to lay themselves out there for this team. Whether it's Jack Doyle going through what he went through, uh Paris Campbell, who may be back this week, maybe, he's had two surgeries in the last three months. Uh, I realize you're talking a rookie and a, and a veteran. It's a little different. Right. But but the, the fact is, is this is the way they're going. And, and so now you've got Marlon Mack is out with a fractured hand. He's not going to play. T.Y. probably will play at less than 100%. If, if what we saw at Houston is what they're going to get, you can argue whether – they need to keep him out until he gets really healthy because they made it very clear with T.Y. that they weren't going to stretch the field with him. They didn't want to over-stress yeah, the, the Frank calf. said he, they purposely did not send him down right. the field multiple times. And, and, and that he was a decoy, which yep. is fine. But the fact that they had, was it, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, was it, was it nine targets to receivers or was it six? I wouldn't be surprised if it was six. It did not T.Y. seem like had that many. six, I think it was. Maybe or, or maybe it was four. But the, the receivers had like four catches for 30 yards. And you simply can't win in the NFL with such contributions from your receivers. As Joe pointed out before we turned on the microphones for this podcast, Deion Kane would have led Colts receivers last week in, in his 35-yard catch for the Steelers in his Pittsburgh debut. Yeah, yeah, two catches for 35, as we talked on the Monday show, would have led the Colts. Um, looking at the target distribution here, Pascal got a target and Marcus Johnson got a target. They didn't catch him. Chester had one for one. Yep. one he had one ca- one target, one catch for twelve yards. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a whole lot else as far as wide receivers. Hey, go. I, I'm telling you, we're, we're sort of getting off this injury thing, but I put so much more on Brissett in that game, not going where it needs to go. Go back and look at like the first series when he had got Jack Doyle running wide down open the, down the, down the middle of the field. Holy smokes. And I don't know that I've seen Brissett from start to finish in a game so uh, hesitant or shy. Indecis- yeah, I, I guess that's the only word you, you can use. Pull the trigger. I mean, he's he, he this is who he is. I, I We were talking in the media room today and can't can you retrain your quarterback who is so conscious of taking care of the football, almost to a fault, to where, you know, there are times, throw the ball. You know, t- it, they're going to be tight windows, but you, you've got to make plays. It's like the inverse of Jameis Winston. No question. <laughs> it, you know, he's never seen a window he doesn't Jameis like. Jameis Winston, that, he's that box of chocolates in, on, in Forrest Gump. 
Uh-huh. You don't know what you're going to get. Well, Brissette is the exact opposite. You know what you're going to get, but there are times. I remember it's they did a, uh, a a deal with Peyton Manning uh, sort of through the years, and it included his rookie camp with Bruce Arians and Anderson. And they ran a few plays, and then Arians called Peyton aside and said, son, why didn't you throw that football? He said, well, he wasn't open. He said, no, in the NFL, that's open. Yeah, It's it's just different. And I'm not saying he needs, you know, Brissett needs to be the Brett Favre gunslinger or the Winston gunslinger, but they've had they've now had eight games this year under 200 yards passing. That's that's obs- Staggering. That's obs- I'll, just, I'll just say obscene, and, mm-hmm. and, and they both work. And the only other years recently that that's happened, uh, 2017. We all remember that year. It, they did it 10 times. 2011. We all remember that year. Nine times. And 1997, which led to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. So Indeed. you just have to – Frank Reich has told us his blueprint for offense ideally is, I believe it's 120 rushing and 240 passing because he believes if you run the ball and he told us this Monday if you run the ball like they've been running it you still need to hit those four or five plays and without those four or five their biggest their, their biggest plays against Houston were two 14 yard completions to Ebron and Houston's out there throwing the ball all over the yard mm-hmm. seven plays for 236 so they're doing everything right except getting yards you know significant yards in the passing game that was really interesting when you named the other years that the Colts had, you know, less 200-yard passing games. I see a trend there where 98, they took Manning. You get a new quarterback. 2012, they took Luck. I'm just saying we'll talk about that more. 2018, you kind of got a new quarterback coming back when you got Luck back again. Right. Yeah. Yep. So. But that that's, that's a question that was posed to me uh, last week on – um, I do a spot for uh, for Query and Schultz for a local local radio every once in a while here in Indianapolis, and uh, one of them asked me if if this is a full two year commitment to judging Brissett because he got that contract in the off season for two years, and I, I said and, and I, I'll put this quickly and we can touch on this before we really get pivot back to the Titans, but. Um, I said I don't think it's a full two year evaluation. I think it's a one year evaluation. And that's kind of what you have to do is give the quarterback a little stability, give him two years. And this year you evaluate. If you don't like it, you bring someone in the offseason, and he's Brissett's backup. And then 2022, 2021, 2021. 2021. He's your guy. So I, I well, don't think but, you but can you, afford but, to but, two years be evaluated. But do you bring that guy, guy in as a free agent? Or, or you draft him. Or do you try to do something in the draft? This that's is, the question. I've not looked in the draft. Joe's is, is, is draft more guy. more into that. But how, how deep? I haven't is, really lately. How how deep is the drafting quarterbacks? Three or four? Pretty deep this year. Mm-hmm. And what may end up helping the Colts is to his injury. He may fall right into the Colts' lap, and that'd be a very interesting decision. You got Brissett on that second year. Do you take the quarterback and let him sit and heal and have Brissett, or do you not? And if you don't, are are you? Can you sit there in January, February, and say he's our guy? Brissett's our guy. And There's a lot of football left to be played. Let's be specific before we make any. Because what you got to decide is is how close is Brissett to his ceiling. I mean, some guys you can see that boy that's he's just scratching the surface. But Brissett is, and again, what Frank Reich wants to do this this is, and I'm still having trouble getting used to it. Is this isn't Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck's offense? This is 
totally different. Yep. And we sort of saw this the last half of the year last year with, with, with Andrew Luck and Hal. His numbers were, were down somewhat, and they weren't throwing for 350 and all that. But but you can still run for 150 and throw for 220 and be efficient. And do, do you, you can't win consistently in this league throwing for what? 129, what, I think it was. 129. Last you just, and, well, like and here we go again. The first, the first Tennessee game. I believe he threw for 121, and miraculously won. And and really for for go back in the the big Jordan Wilkins run mm-hmm. to set up the run. touchdown. I believe it was to T. Y. Hilton, and then the defense makes a stop. So yeah, 146 in the first Tennessee game. He did have the three touchdown passes that make the stat line look a little and, better. But that, that's but. what you that's what he's talking about. If if you if you can be efficient, you're not going to throw the ball 40 times, 30 even 30 times. But when you throw it, you've got to be more than 129 last week. You've got to be more than checkdowns. Even in the first Titans game, they didn't have a passing play over 20 yards. So that's hard. And it's funny. I went back and looked at uh, with the Titans going to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, their big plays over the last five games have been off the charts. A couple of you know coast to coast by Derrick Henry, and the one stat that is just crazy. Is is Ryan Tannehill with what he's done running the football? He has three runs of over twenty yards this year. Ezekiel Elliott has one. That's just ridiculous. Star running back Ryan Tannehill. Hey, <laughs> as most uh, very intense NFL fans know, Tannehill did play wide receiver at Texas A and M when he was in college. So uh, he does have that ability. He has some good vision when he takes off and runs. And as Colts defensive coordinator um, Matt Eberflus pointed out this week, since Tannehill's taken over, they're basically top five in offense in like every category. Red zone, completion percentage, stuff that really matters in terms of efficiency. When you bring in a new quarterback, you don't expect the offense to be quite as efficient as it was. But that's when your first quarterback is not Marcus Mariota, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, the, the change was made after that 16 to nothing game. To Denver. To Denver. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they've been, since since Tannehill's been in there, again, they're, they've won four, four out of five. One. Yep. All at home. Now, that matters. The, the, the only loss was in Carolina. But over the last five games, they're averaging 384 yards a game, 6.8 yards a play, and they're, they're averaging rushing 146.8. And Tannehill is... Uh, 71%, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions, 9.3 yards per attempt, and a 118.1 rating over five games. So now now Miami fans will tell you, yeah, but just wait. You know, water finds its level. But, but mm-hmm. they're a different team. And, and if you can get what the last two games they've rushed for, like two-something and 250-something because Henry's gone off. So again, the one thing that that the Colts have done that's legit is this is very good run defense. It it just simply is. It's is it twenty eight or twenty nine games in a row now without a hundred yard rusher. Yep. So, uh, and I think both teams are going to. This could be one of those two hour and thirty minute games because both teams are going to try to run the ball. You've said that like five I times this year. <laughs> I know it, and it hasn't happened. But but uh, you, you just know they're going to come in here and try and try to do that. The difference is which quarterback can make those five or six plays that make a difference. And last week, Watson did, 
and Brissett did not. I think a stat that really shows how much of an impact Tannehill has had on the offense. In the six games with Mariota this season, Titans averaged 16.3 points per game. With Tannehill, that's up to 29.4 points per game in Tannehill's five stars. Nearly doubled. Nearly doubled. And, and if that's not an indictment of Mariota, it, when we talk, I think it'll be a fun offseason this year. Colts trade for Mariota? Oh, God, no, no. no, no. <laughs> you guys it, should it, have it, seen Joe, how he looked it, right it's, there. It's funny. He recoiled it, from his microphone. It, 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 it's funny. We're not here to trash people, but uh, Jim Aiello, the, the one of the Colts guys with, with the Indy Star, when the Colts, when Ebron went down and, they, and the Colts re-signed Ross Travis, he put out a play from the Bengals game uh, where Travis caught about a 20-yard touchdown, and I said, Way to go, because the problem is it had Chad Kelly throwing it. Hey! So it's getting swag. It's getting the swag crowd going again. And we don't, we, 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 and now Joe's pumping his fist back here. No, we, no we not don't, really. We don't but, need that. But, so, but, but seriously. But, the, but they, they have got, they've got to get this quarterback thing straightened out. Again, people were so high on Brissett. Remember the 326 against, uh, against the Texans? Against the Texans. He cannot play. They, they cannot do what they need to do with him playing like he did at Houston in the, in the rematch. And that's why it's a full-year evaluation that you want to give him at least that much time for sure. Joe? I'll ask you guys both a question. If you could, would you flip quarterbacks in this game? Would you rather put Tannehill on the Colts and Brissett on the Titans? Man, I, would, I don't think so. I, maybe I'm scarred by what Ryan Tannehill has done in the past because he – I wouldn't trade Jacoby Brissett away for, um, for an as unknown a commodity as Tannehill is. Has he played great ball recently? Yes. I'm mostly just talking like in a vacuum for this game, not you know get you know culture and the locker room and everything aside, long term aside for this one game. Which quarterback would you rather? Well, have? Tannehill's playing better right now. That's for sure. He's playing better right now. Yeah. Do I want him over the long haul? No. That's why he's no right, longer right. In, in, in Miami, and that's why the, the Titans, we talk about the Colts having a big decision to make, so do the Titans. Mm-hmm. Not with Mariota, I mean, he's gone. Right, undeniably. But, but, but is, is how many times have we seen over the years a quarterback, you can, I can, you can probably name five or six of them, who, who have shown you just enough. Now, maybe not to this level. Mm-hmm. So you say, he's our guy, and then you sign him, and he's not your guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to, remember Green Bay, with was it? Mike Flynn, Matt Flynn, Matt Flynn, Flynn, yeah. and then Seahawks, Se- Seattle, right? And then, yeah. he, then the Russell Wilson comes in, but Reminds me of Case Keenum and with the Vikings. It's, it's uh-huh. uh, there's so many of them. So uh, it's it's it's. We talked to Darius Leonard today, and he said it's a different defense. You got to stop the run. You got to stop the run, mm-hmm. and you do. But which uh, which quarterback makes those plays that make a difference? And, and as much as much as we're trashed, and we have sort of besmirched to Kobe Brissett. It's you've got we've got to point out. You've got to point out. T. Y. Hilton's been a shadow of himself all season because of injuries. He had the uh, quad earlier and now it's a calf. Marlon Mack's gonna miss his second game. Devin Funches has missed ten games and who knows if what he would have done. I mean he was still something of an unknown Still not activated. No and, and he needs to be this week. No it's next week it's excuse me. Right, it's next Wednesday or Thursday. When the clock started, and, and Paris Campbell uh, ha- has missed a ton of time, so he really and now Ebron, so you really haven't had 
the complement of skill players week after week. Having said that, for, for Zach Pascal to go totally invisible last week after all he's done was just strange. It was. It was. Um, I saw an Indy Star report. He said the Titans' coverage kind of confused the Colts' receivers. I, I'm not sure how much of an excuse that is, but that's just interesting to hear from him. Here's what Nick Sirianni said about that. Like, I mean, I, I've got a quote here talking about his receivers and tight ends getting the right spot, finding the proper spacing in the zone. He said, on the tape, I don't believe we had very many uh, route discipline problems. It felt like the guys were in the right spots and where they needed to be. So uh, That means it's the quarterback. It's the quarterback right you there. Got, you, and, and, and you, again, you just look at those five or six plays that are there. The one where Doyle is going to – I mean, it's Doyle, so you're going to run 40 yards. I mm-hmm. mean, it's going to be a 40-yard completion. And – to, to to beat the dead horse or the almost dead horses when, when, when you try to there's a stat where the Colts lead lead the league in one of the top three or four teams in long drives and they're first in the league in first downs generated well that's that's because they're, they don't have any other options right, right now because everything is is such it's it's methodical they triculate the ball down which, the field right which is which is great but when when you play Dean Smith four corner and and, and you're shortening games. And one byproduct is is ten games by seven points or fewer, mm-hmm. but but the, the the ramification of that is is every mistake you make is magnified. You know, Ty not we, we can argue whether he dropped or de- good defense. I thought one of them was was maybe understandable. I think the first one the guy got his hands in there. The second one he's got to make the catch. And then Brissett not picking up fourth and seven, and I just didn't buy Frank Reich's. D- description that well you know if he's healthy without the knee brace when, when have we ever seen Jacoby Brissett you know run seven yards on an extra burst right and he's never had the extra burst right. he's never had a burst and for for a player to be as athletic strong and, and elusive in the pocket to not be able to pick up those big plays it's it's just strange but, but that's who he is but when you play this kind of offense. This is what happens, and you just whenever you make those, I don't say mistakes. Whenever you don't convert those third and shorts or fourth and shorts, this is what happens. And like you said, that leads to close games and uh, m- massive heart medication for Colts fans. It seems like this year, just with these one score and that, games, and that's what's going to happen on Sunday too. And if the uh, Titans have their way, of course they will run the ball, like you mentioned earlier. Derrick Henry having a career year for Tennessee, fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. He's just nine short of a thousand on the year already double-digit rushing touchdowns. He had 15 carries for 82 yards in a score against the Colts Week 2. He's had a couple big runs against them in the past. He's not just a big bruiser. He's a guy who can outrun you in the secondary, too. And I'll remember, I don't know if I've made this point before on the show, but Derrick Henry uh, was a high school player in Florida when I was working in Tallahassee. Now, he was over in the Jacksonville area, so not exactly the same location, but he was a high school kid going to Alabama, of course, that was playing single A or A1, 1A uh, football. So he's going up against the uh, North Southwestern Little Sisters of the Poor teams, and he's like 230-pound running back kid. So it was was like watching a man run over middle schoolers, watching his uh, his games, which was fun in a a sense for uh, for Alabama fans, that's for sure, to to see what this kid was going to be coming up. But Man, I just remember looking back at those at those films when he was in in high school and thinking, 
can he do this in Alabama? Yes, he can. Can he do this in the pros? Yes, he can. He's still going. He had so many carries back when he was in high school, but he's still chugging along. His high school senior stat line is ridiculous. 4,261 rushing yards yep. and 55 touchdowns. Yep. That's about right. As a senior. As 4, a senior yards. games. Four, in one season, 4,000 yards. He never had less than 2,400 yards in a season. It's amazing. Like I said, it was like it was watching a man run over middle schoolers. Well, and, and here you go again. He's 6'3", 247. There you go. He's probably bigger. Do any Colts linebackers weigh that much? I don't think so. No. Leonard's down at, what, 220 Oka, is what Oka he Riki wants? maybe. I don't, I don't know. I doubt he's at 47. He might be in the low 40s. So, but. you know, and on top of that, he's got the speed. that if it, it, it was one thing to keep in mind. They've run for over 200 yards the last two weeks, Tennessee has, against Jacksonville, who – to some level, has quit. Right. And Kansas City, whose defense is awful. But having said that, he's legit. They're legit. He's averaging 4.8 a carry. Tannehill's averaging 4.7 a carry. Mm. Again, he's, he's had three 20-yard rushes in the last five games. So all of, a, all of a sudden, you can't – Colts fans who are used to kind of roasting the Titans – you haven't got Marcus Mariota to lean on this this time. If you want to fight fire with fire and go to the run game yourselves, it's not going to be Marlon Mack back there, ruled out with his broken hand, still rehabbing it, still trying to get that back to a serviceable condition. So Maybe New Orleans. Yeah, maybe. 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 But now it looks like it's going to be Jonathan Williams, back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, the first Colts player to have back-to-back 100-yard games this season. I think you had mentioned is like the third such running back, or maybe somebody else mentioned it's that. It's the third since... since Post Edgerin, yes, post Edge. It's been Joe Adai, Marlon Mack, right. and now Jonathan Williams. Now, and I asked, I stopped Williams in, in the locker room today. I said, because uh, he did this all the time at Arkansas, hundred mm-hmm. yard games, but the last Colt to have three in a row, you go back to Edgerin James, and I believe it was two thousand and four. It's a pretty good year for Edgerin James. So he did, he did like four year. times in a row. Yeah. So it's just it's rare, and I'd say generally that it's not going to happen. But they're going to run, they're going to run the damn ball. They, mm-hmm. they simply are, and and you then you again you hope that Brissett does what he wants to do. But it, it's really kind of amazing and, and kind of fun to see that this guy has he, he's just waited his turn. He's waited and waited, and he gets was it uh, one hundred and sixteen, thirteen for one hundred and sixteen, whatever it was against Jaguars. Against yep. the Jaguars, you're thinking okay, and then he goes out and gets twenty six for one hundred and six because they really stick with it and. and it's kind of cool to see a guy wait and wait, and then not only do it once. Where we see a lot of guys who burst and then go away, and he and Williams realizes he said, "I've got to do it again because people are going to say, well, you only did it twice, and you can't do it again.'" But he will be given every opportunity if he doesn't have twenty carries on Sundays because the game got away from the Colts. So. I was kind of surprised by the lack of Jordan Wilkins' involvement. Do you think that continues and they keep riding the hot hand in Williams, or did they get Wilkins a little more involved? He did have the big run against Tennessee Week 2. Well, they mentioned they were still waiting for, for Wilkins' ankle to get to get back to where to where it needs to be. Uh, I would think he would. I, I would think he's ready to go, but... That sounds weird because he played 12 snaps on special teams. So right. that, that, I thought the same thing. Yeah, it was just curious. But but I think this is it's going to be you know it's he, he, Will, Williams is going to get the snaps that Marlon of course Marlon rarely got twenty six carries in a game right but th- that's they're going to ride the hot hand it's it's obvious this, this guy's fresh because he's not played a lot 
but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more Wilkins snaps. I think this guy's got value as that short burst, three or four plays at a time, and then continue. Although, although I think Naheem Hines ran the ball pretty well, really well. This which which surprised me because that that's not been what he's done. Uh, but the whole thing boils down just just be more efficient, move the chains, and doggone it, hit a couple of plays that pass the twenty yard line. <laughs> or 20-yard gain. So you focus on can the Titans' defense slow down that running game that you anticipate the Colts to certainly bring. Uh, they've they've been an opportunistic defense, I think I would call them. That's a word, maybe. the uh, They've they've given up a decent amount of yards per game. They're in the bottom half of the league. They are kind of in the middle, but um, only the ninth. Uh, they're the ninth best in points per game allowed. So it's a little bit, you know, bend, don't break, that whole mantra there. Um, and they are in the top half of the league again in both sacks and takeaways. So they, they, they make some plays. Um, Cameron Wake is on injured reserve now, one of their... Uh, he normally had, like, was it two and a half sacks? That's two it. Two and a half. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't really much of an impact. So you're almost wondering, is, is he done now? And they signed a uh, kicker today. Uh, I don't think it was practice, but I thought it was active roster, a, a kicker. And does that mean that they're... Looking around, or or I didn't know there. I, I guess I haven't paid enough. Suck up her, is Suckup still their kicker? Ryan Santoso is Santoso. who they signed for the to the active roster. Yes, yeah. Somebody's got to be hurt because they put a Delaney Walker on IR as well. Right, right. Who Saw hadn't that. done much. Right, but Suckup was uh, well. Again, I've not followed him. Oh, oh, three of field goals is is Suckup their kicker now? Yeah, he's been kicking. Um, he was injured earlier in the season. They activated him a few weeks ago, and he has been kicking for them. Santos is 4 of 9. Sucked up as 0 of 3 on field goals. Yeah. So, you mm. know, just when you think that you got a bad, there's there's 7 of 15 on field goals, apparently. Man, we keep seeing that. It seems like week after week. Like, we, we, we bemoan the Colts' struggles. And you look back to the Titans game when Adam Vinatieri missed two, a pair of extra points in that game earlier this year. But, man, every other team, it seems like this year. there You can count on one hand the teams that do not have kicker struggles this year. For whatever reason, this year seems to be the year that the kicker just took a step back. I went and talked to Vinatieri the other day about that. I saw an AP story to where this year kickers are – Kicking about 81, 80%, 80.1%. It's, if I'm reading it right, it was, it was the lowest percentage since like 2003. And it's, it's, it's league wide. And that's, we've talked, I don't want to get Joe going here, but this, this is, I'm, I'm convinced this is why the Colts didn't make a move is, is what's out there. And you don't, you don't want to get to where you're, you're changing kickers every other week. And we'll see. With kicking, it's it's week to week as far as is, is the guy back or not. But Vinatieri sort of has shown he's got whatever his yips, whatever that was, cured. But it takes one bad game for that to surface again. Yeah, how they did try out Young Ho Koo. Ah, uh, Young Ho. Young Ho, who is playing quite well for the Falcons. Yeah, he uh, is. I believe he's only missed one kick in their three games, and he's made all of his extra points. So that is one kicker who has picked up who has been successful this season. There was somebody. Well, Chase. Did they try out Chase McLaughlin? Was he the first? The guy who's on San Francisco in now? week three. I don't care if, if that's one. Of I the don't guys. remember. I don't. I don't think so. That, you know, Greg Joseph and people like that. But but you just. I'm telling you, you, every game you watch, you know, people either missing field goals with the Bears guy. Was it Pinero misses? Two against the uh, what in the Rams was it? Who who they play recently uh, in prime time? And he misses two field goals and in. I think it was the Rams in prime time. They played the Giants last week. No, it, it was it was the uh, the Rams then, 
and, and or extra points. It's just incredible. So I don't know what it is. Some of it is that the better kickers, the more established kickers, are are getting a little older. Matt Bryant and Vinny. Uh, but if your name's not Justin Tucker, it's you're, you're just living on the edge. Some key matchups for this Colts-Titans. We'll get into these before making our picks for the week, seeing what we can come up with. Um, obviously, when you've shined the spotlight on last week's game, and we've brought it up, is that you can run the ball all you like. It'd be nice to have some of those chunk plays. And that's what Frank Reich pointed out, said, hey, we need to get a couple of those plays over the top. Can the Colts defense, uh, can the Colts offense rather do that? Colts ranked 28th in the NFL in a passing offense. Titans defense ranked 24th in the league in passing defense. So chunk plays could be there to be had for the Colts, who is going to be on the receiving end of those if T.Y. Hilton is still limited. Who knows? Paris Campbell? It was interesting. They were talking, since you brought him up, they were talking today, Frank Reich, about, I get the impression that the the fractured hand is is healed enough to where he can play and and not re-injure whatever. The issue now is they're trying a bunch of different uh, gloves or yeah. braces. I, I hate to. to use braces, but some some protective apparatus on his hand to let him play. Mm-hmm. And as much as I wonder how Marlon Mack comes back from a fractured hand and, and holds on to the football, as a receiver you need you need both hands. Remember, was it early in the year when was it the opener when Kenny Moore played with a club on his? I believe it was, yeah. Was it a thumb or whatever he had? It was a th- yeah. Well, that's a little different. If, if a if a DB can't catch the you ball, you can live with that. You, you can at least knock the ball down. Well, right. you, you don't want Paris Campbell knocking balls down. No, he was fumbling against. Well, the that, that too, that too. <laughs> yeah. But I, again, I think if they could get him out there to where he, he he's he's effective in, of course, he's got to get past the idea of worrying about the hand while you're playing. Mm-hmm. But I get the impression today that the whole thing holding him up now is. Can they fit something on that hand to where it, it protects it, yet still allows you to play the position? And if so, I think he, he adds something. And if nothing else, a couple of remember the big plays in the Pittsburgh game when he got hurt were those end of rounds. Yeah, he, was it like three carries for I don't know three carries for thirty yards, whatever. If you can't pass it, deep, yeah. it's you, tricky. Correct, mm-hmm. and it, it just if nothing else, it just gives gives the defense something to worry about. Although I still want my, you know, they talk about some receivers are great blockers. That's fine. I want my receiver to be receiver first. And hopefully if, if Paris Campbell plays, he can do what he needs to do as his primary position. Kind of a converse uh, point for uh, further going down the um, the list of keys to this game. I mean, you got to limit the Titans' big plays as well, something that uh, the Colts did not do against the Texans last week. Uh, I would certainly, I don't think anyone would argue that the uh, Titans – receiving core is more dangerous than the Texans receiving core, so you have that going for you at least. But at the same time, the Titans are kind of out of proportion in terms of their splash plays, their big plays in in favor for them. Like they have the fewest pass attempts in the NFL this year, but they're about they're in the top half, in fact, in the NFL in terms of plays, chunk plays over twenty yards. So they are a big play offense. They have shown to be in a greater proportion for finding those big plays, even though they're not a top five or top ten in terms of, you know, big plays. But they just they get more than the average team does. Well, and, it, and it's greatly increased over the last five games with Tannehill. Yes. It, 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 I, I bet I, I've got them listed here on, on a paper I'm not going to dig through. But they I bet they've had 80, 80% of their, of their chunk plays in a passing game since Tannehill's been in the lineup. 
So it'd be nice to get pressure on Ryan Tannehill, of course. Uh, always a key, it seems like, every, every game. And to, He's probably the most sack, sacked quarterback in the league since he came into the league. For a while, yeah. And it's not I mean, like Miami, he, Miami just got him beat to a pulp. And it's not like the Titans' offensive line is that much better right now. He, the Titans, as a team, have allowed the second most sacks. And it's still, like even with Tannehill coming in, it's not like Mariota had all those sacks. Now they've improved with a um, with Tannehill in there. He's still getting sacked more than three and a half times per game. 18 sacks in the five games that he has played. So, um, so you got to get pressure on Tannehill. Um, be ready for the Titans' pass rush. We talked about Cameron Wake being on injured reserve, so glad you don't have to worry about him. But still, at the same time, he's not their leading pass rush guy this year. It's been Harold Landry, uh, the uh, former Boston College edge rusher. Eight sacks for him on the season. They uh, they have a similar situation to the Colts as cornerback Logan Ryan doing his best Kenny Moore impression. Second on the team with three and a half sacks is Logan Ryan. So you know that Mike Vrabel is not afraid to bring pressure from anywhere, from anyone, from at any time. So have that offensive line, which I thought we haven't talked about the offensive line much at all today. And that that has never seemed to be a factor in uh, in the Colts lacking big plays last week. Jacoby Brissett had time to pass. No one is doubting that the offensive line did its job in the passing game. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, we've really seen the offensive line sort of they went through that lull not too long ago. But they really again, again, not to diminish Jonathan Williams, but, 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 but they've they've not missed a beat. With Jonathan Williams taking over for Marlon Mack, and that's the sign of, you know, you always question: Does an off does an offensive line does a great offensive line make a, a mid mid level player running back a great running back? Well, in this instance, that's what they're doing. So again, if they can keep if they can run the ball effectively, and get to mix in some big plays, and then I just don't see Derrick Henry. I maybe he'll shock me. I think he'll have his 80 or 90 yards. I don't know if he's going to go for 140 and, and, and break those long runs. This defense will be a little PO'd after getting scorched on, on those seven big plays. Uh, most in the passing, they were, they were, I think there were three big runs by the, by the Texans. 33-yarder, Hank Hyde had a 33-yarder. I think um, uh, Duke Johnson, Johnson had a 19-yarder. 19, yeah. But it was, a, it was a passing game that just, just killed him. There was the one... Where uh, Hopkins was wide open in the end zone, and again the star guy Jim Ayello talked to him today, and Pierre Desir took full blame. Mm-hmm. He said that wasn't on Malik Cooker, that was on me. And mm-hmm. So we'll, it doesn't matter. But you, you've got hope. We'll see if Kahari Willis. I think he's still in pr- uh, concussion protocol, but I think he practices today. I get the impression he'll be fine to play. Rock Yassin. We'll, we'll see how the injury report goes, but they should be getting healthier. In the, in the back end. Let me rant for one second, because last week, leading into the game, the short week, I was making the point, again, on Twitter, so, so I'm ranting against idiots on social media. Let, let's throw this out there. Out there. there. There are many of them out there. But I, I said something like, the Colts secondary is banged up. Which, obviously, yes, it's banged up. Rocky Scene is out. Uh, Car- Willis is Car- out. Willis was out. Um, Shaq Taylor was out. Um, he's gone now. Exactly. Now he's gone. He's not even on the team. But um, but somebody came, oh, they're, they're not banged up. George Odom will play and he'll be fine. And uh, like he was bringing up the fact that they have some depth and some experience to say that they're not banged up. That's not what banged up means. Right. Banged up means your starters are not healthy. Right. Joe, I'm sorry. I'm yelling into the microphone. But golly, I had like, that was more than one person coming back at me with this when I say the Colts secondary is banged up. They're like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Everybody has depth. Right. Depth means you have bodies at positions. <laughs> but 
and we've talked about this before, the problem with injuries is all of a sudden you have guys playing roles that they're not suited for and you don't think they're suited for. I mean, if, I mean, they, if they were suited for it, you'd play them there. Correct. George Odom's a really, really good player, but he, he's not a long-time starter. He, he just isn't. And, and we see this on the offense with not having T.Y. Hilton, not having Paris Campbell, not having Devin Funches. So all of a sudden, Zach Paschal and Chester Rogers, and you hit Marcus Johnson, who's playing a lot. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it, it's a factor, and people don't want to hear it. I, I make it a point. It's not an excuse, mm-hmm. but it's a reason that you're having issues. Sorry, I just had to yell about you that. You feel better? Yes, I do. I feel a lot better. We can go into our Colts-Titans predictions <laughs> right now for this week. Colts-Titans this weekend? Uh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. It was a 19-17 to 17 last time. Um, I, I I don't anticipate it being too much higher scoring. Barring turnovers, I agree with you. Barring turnovers, yeah. So, I mean, I think something like a 20-16 to 16, uh, Colt. I think... I do lean the Colts' favor here, uh, but I don't think this is going to be uh, Ryan Tannehill scoring twenty nine point four or whatever twenty nine point six points per game. He like does that when they win. Yeah, they I would win agree and, with that. It's not a yeah uh, seven point game either. So that's me. I I was I'm I I think it's always important to take the desperate team at home, and this is one if the Colts have any aspirations of making the playoffs. They absolutely have to go four and one to finish ten and six because nine and seven. I, it's just hard to envision a scenario where nine and seven gets you in with all the tiebreakers working against you. I'm going to take twenty three twenty. I think Brissett is more more aggressive, and in that that's a relative term with him. But I think they do enough. The, the defense against the defense is not happy at all. Twenty three twenty. And that's not with a field goal at the end to win it, but just twenty three to twenty and a lot of running, enough passing, and they get it done. Joe. Looking at these two teams here, they rank pretty similarly across the board in a lot of aspects. He's one he's one Titans. I am. I'm See? I'm picking the Titans for the first body, time. Body this language. Wow. I have picked the Colts in every other game, but when you run down, they rank similarly in everything except for the passing game right now. And I think that's gonna be the difference is that the Titans can pass right now, and the Colts can't. Now, maybe T.Y., you know, his calf is healthier this time around, and they get a little more out of him. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but I'm going Titans 24-17. All right. I, I, I just – I say I take I take the desperate team, which mm-hmm. I'm taking the Colts, but I could argue that the more desperate team are the Titans because if you look at the, look at the rest of their schedule, we talked, is it uh, Houston twice, Oakland, and – Leave New Orleans and New Orleans, right? Ooh. So I mean, so that's four of your remaining five games. But with after the, this. again with the Colts, you've got Tennessee at home. Then you're at Tampa. Your home is it at Tampa, at New Orleans, home with Carolina, at Jacksonville. So you just you just when you lose games, you shouldn't. Oakland, Miami, here you are. You, you, you're you, there's there's very little room for error, and I just think the. They are the more they are a desperate team, and I just think they find a way to maybe win an ugly game. A look around the AFC South before we wrap things up. The Texans host the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Pat's leading the AFC as of right now, and as uh, as Joe points out here, it's a rare instance the Colts can uh, Colts fans can root for the Patriots. Well, so so if Houston loses and the Colts win, 
seven and five atop They're the division. Both seven and five. Which seven again, and five. The, the tiebreakers simply favor the Texans Houston, right now. Houston right they now. do. So you're really kind of a game. You're only a game back, but you're at least a game and a half back in reality right, right now. If what it comes down to, and the Jaguars four and seven host the uh, the four and seven Buccaneers, which yeah, I no, think could could be a fun game to but, watch. But, but nobody nobody cares exactly. But nobody, 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 nobody cares. Sorry. So the Colts will host the Tennessee Titans this weekend at Lucas Oil Stadium, one o'clock broadcast. You can watch it in Central Indiana on CBS Four. Tune in early Sunday morning, December first, as we flip the calendar. You're finally allowed to put up Christmas decorations. If you have Christmas We've decorations got up, up now, on our street doing it now, already. not before Thanksgiving, not in the Griffiths household, <laughs> not allowed. Zero fun. I walked in tree. on Monday. Oh, yeah. They have There's a big tree up. Yes, already. our big tree. It's not allowed. In our lo- no, I, I have half a mind to go take it down right now in the <laughs> lobby, but I prefer to keep my job next week. So 11 uh, 11:30 a.m. Sunday, watch the Colts Blue Zone pregame show live from Lucas Oil Stadium. Get you all set for Colts Titans kickoff at one. Once again, broadcast on CBS Four. This has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Me specifically, I am Dave G underscore Sports. Mike Chapel is. M Chapel 51. Joe Hopkins is Roto Street Joe. So we thank you so much for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>